Hey, everyone. Welcome to Disrupting Our Practice. I'm Shannon Patterson. And I'm Greg Flynn. This podcast is for white-bodied leadership and organization development consultants, facilitators, coaches, and trainers. This is a weekly podcast dedicated to the exploration of how we practitioners can disrupt our practices, those practices where we are unwittingly perpetuating racism, oppression, and harm. And it's all in service to being able to co-create a culture of equity, justice, and healing, so we live in a world that truly works for everyone. Thanks for joining us as we work to disrupt our practice. Hi, Shannon. Hey, Greg. Good to see you. Good to see you as well. To do another one of these in person, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We should do that. Yeah. We should do that. Maybe after our little hiatus that we're going to take. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. That'd be fun. It would. Cool. So should we check in and then dive in about capacity? Yeah, let's do it. Do you have a calling to go first, second, third? All right. <laughs> <laughs> I have our ancestors check in. I think they would have a lot to say. Mm. Um, yeah, I can check in. Um, kind of building on that sort of made the mistake of listening to the news this morning. Mm -hmm. Mm. And yeah, just feeling the ways white supremacy and colonialism ruins everything. Um, Mm. Grief of that and the anger of that feels really present in this moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of the intractability of it. So it makes like our work feel like important and it can touch both how important and how sometimes it just feels hopeless, like my little pebble in the ocean of stuff. So I just, it feels heavy and my heart feels heavy that way. Um, yeah. So mentally and emotionally kind of in that, um, feeling a little disconnected from my body in all honesty, I need to go take a walk, um, just Mm. have more time in nature, but I'm grounding as we check in and yeah, I mean, I think spiritually also just the weight of that in this world and imagining, imagining what else we could do together. Like, also inspires hope, <laughs> you know, like, okay, like mm. we might be able to do something else seven generations from now. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So checking in connected to reality, I guess, and all that brings. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thanks, Shannon. Mm. Thanks, Greg. Mm. Hmm. I am. I did the same thing. I made the mistake Mm. of listening to NPR on the drive from my house to this location and turned it off Mm. because my nervous system was just like, no, thank you. Mm -hmm. And I turned it off with a, with a like ping of like recognition of the, what it means to be able to turn it off. Uh, Mm. That, that, that I carry that, I hold that with me. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I was talking to somebody the other day and they were like, yeah, I'm just taking a news hiatus, you know, I'm trying to take care of myself and just sitting with that, like that inquiry of like, what does that mean to be able to take care of ourselves in a way when often to take a news hiatus and take care of ourselves means I don't, I don't get exposed to a lot of mm -hmm. the things that people are living in the day to day. And so, mm -hmm. so I'm just noticing that in myself, trying to hold that with, some grace because there's a reality I think and in, in the need to not let so much information in and in order to be able to maintain the work, which I'm sure we'll talk about in talking about capacity, but I'm, so I'm, I noticed the impact of that on me. Um, I'm feeling quite good, grounded, connected in my nervous system. I in, in, in my body just in my body mm. in general. I, I had some good movement today, this morning. That was great good meditation which helped me connect to get to a kind of clear mind uh noticing emotionally i'm feeling pretty pretty grounded and pretty pretty um there's an equanimity mm. so is equanimous would that be the word equanimous <laughs> i don't know i don't know i don't know uh and yeah yeah, so I'm I'm coming in feeling mm. feeling good, grateful for the sun that we're getting, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, and a little anticipatory because as as you know, I'm I'm going out of town for a few days here at the end of the week, and really excited about about that. So yeah, yeah. So <laughs> here, ready, and yeah, we we talked about talking about capacity, which is, you know, you mentioned as we were getting on the call, like you, it has been a lot on your mind because you've been right. You wrote some about it recently. And that was something that can be shared with folks is some of your, your writing about that. And yeah. Yeah. Say a little bit more about what's on your mind in relationship to capacity. Hmm. Well, quite a few things. I mean, relative to my writing, I think as I was writing, you know, I got to a point in the, in what I was writing was like, well, you know, people imagining people reading and going, well, aren't you talking about emotional intelligence? You know, aren't mm -hmm. you talking just about empathy in terms of what we mean in building capacity and how, you know, the answer to that is no, <laughs> those are very much involved. Mm -hmm. um, but I think some of what we're, what I was writing about then was just this nervous system piece you know, the more than the meditation, more than the mindfulness. I think some of those terms have been brought into, you know, mainstream culture and, and in, especially into corporate, you know, how those things get like taken up and then mm -hmm. uh, made into things. Um, so I feel like there's something deeper, you know, and I feel it as you and I are both talking like this sense of, and it's not just being in my body in a yoga. I mean, I practiced yoga for 10, 12, 15 years, like as a, <laughs> it was my living for a while, you know, and mm -hmm. still as I've worked on building my capacities, you and I talk about it, there's so much more. I was still so disembodied, mm -hmm. even though I had a really good yoga practice. Um, so I think that just feels important to name. Like when we say building capacity, what are we talking about? And I, I feel like it's all that integration of 
emotional intelligence skills like self-awareness and mm-hmm. managing and being able to read a room and, you know, be in relationship and manage conflict, but not, but, and there's something deeper. It's that kind of nervous system co-regulation. There's just this whole other aspect. And so I'll, mm. I'm curious, just given that framing, like what you're thinking about when you think about it. Yeah. I, I appreciate all that. I, and I, I definitely appreciate your naming the, like the, the piece around your yoga practice and the connection to your body and then recognizing, Oh, there's actually more here that could be, that I could go into. And I, I had a similar experience, right? I, I didn't really make money. Like it wasn't a really a living for me. And I don't think I practiced it quite as long as you did, but I had a very kind of intense yoga practice for quite a while where yeah, I was practicing six or seven days a week, you know, and like yeah. workshops and retreats and, did, t- did teacher trainings and all that stuff. Like kind of was my, the center of my life for, for a number of years and, um, and, and, and got more connected to my body than I ever had for right. sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, the experience of the core energetics, which is an, you know another modality we've shared together mm-hmm. um, as well as, you know, the continued experience with holistic resistance and the, the way that, that the embody, the way that that work is being embodied, um, yes. you know, the anti-racism work is being embodied has highlighted for me. Yeah. The ways in which we, you know, like, so, I mean, one way to frame it, right. And this is kind of top of mind because of the workshop we're doing tonight, which by the time this comes out, will have long, <laughs> long over, but is, you know, the, the, um, when we're talking about the tools of our trade and the fact that our, our processes and our, our tools and our, you know, all the things we use in the frameworks and the philosophies we bring into the work of holding um, space and facilitating space has all been developed within the context of white supremacy culture. Um, So has the yoga practices we engaged in, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, even though they come, out of these lineages, they were subsumed and appropriated and put through the machine <laughs> of, yeah. you know, of our culture and came out a different way. And like, and so a lot of the things that maybe, you know, you're talking about, you're pointing to weren't on the table, right? They weren't, there was no awareness of them in the room. Um, when we were doing, when we're engaging in those practices. And so there's not a lot of, um, you know, there's just not a lot of inquiry as to how is our culture moving through you as you are doing this practice, this physical practice. And, and when, when I, like for me, when I bring that lens into it, I start to go, Oh, Mm -hmm. I can feel the, feel myself disconnecting from conversations or drifting away or, you know, do you mean drifting away? Like, in the moment or conversations. Yeah. You know, like I think back to think back to a couple weeks ago being with Aaron, you know, at the workshop, um, the tender touch workshop and like noticing moments where, you know, he would be sharing something or somebody else might be sharing something and noticing my mind choosing to drift Mm-hmm. You know, in a way that was actually like a defense, mm-hmm. you know, in a, in, a, in a way that was actually about 
keeping myself distant from the conversation that was happening, not just mm -hmm. typical kind of like, Oh, I'm bored or um, I'm mm. distracted because I live in the 21st century and we all have uh, attention spans that span five seconds, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? but yes. for some other reason. Yeah. Yeah. That's helpful. I mean, I just think, you know, in the context of that workshop is helpful to talk about, I think, I mean, it was a very, intense workshop that had it, it's, you know, that it had at it, its center examining lynching. And, you know, so we were being confronted with a lot of, a lot of all sorts of things, you know, and I remember for myself, I mean, it's hard, it's hard for me to drop into stuff that's stored in my body, right? My pain and grief and, mm -hmm. Um, you know, and so just noticing like, that's kind of my baseline <laughs> and then, mm -hmm. you know, where it can also become a defense, like you're saying, like it noticing that I'm doing it as a way to not feel, um, and mm -hmm. being with the noticing of that, uh, and also learning what to, to do with that and, I, I don't mean like the actions to take, but it's more like how to be with that. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think that's what we're talking about when we're talking about building capacity in part, which is to notice when I'm emotionally defending myself against something difficult or uncomfortable or mm -hmm. even just trying to be present. I have, I was struggling to be present in that workshop for a variety of reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, and then being able to be like, oh, this is happening and this is what I'm doing. And just notice that because I think some of the white supremacy culture would be to like beat ourselves up about it. Or, mm -hmm. you know, you can kind of take it two ways, which is you can beat yourself up about it or you can like externalize and get super critical of everybody and everything and why you can't drop in and how, you know. So just noticing like where, what happens in me mm -hmm. um, and mostly just staying curious and kind and compassionate and just to keep inviting myself in and inviting myself back, you know, just to be with. So that feels like an important part of building capacities and to do that in more and more intense situations for me, you know? And so in this context, you know, you and I are talking about what happens when the charge of race comes in the room. Um, mm -hmm. You know, but even before that, it's always there. Like we've said before, you know, race is present and there are dynamics in the room being impacted by race, whether we're tracking it or not. So that's part of building capacity. Yeah. Like, are we tracking that, you know, and understanding ourselves <clears throat> even before that's become explicit, like my own ways that I can get defensive or check out of a facilitation or start to over control a facilitation as I start to manage like something's happening that makes me uncomfortable and can mm -hmm. I, and I start to control a shit out of the room, you know, and can I notice that I'm doing that and what's going on? And, yep. you know, so there's, there's that too. Yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think the, so a few things I want to point to, cause there, yes, there's a lot in there is one is, is normalizing the way you described as it's really hard for me to get into my body and again connect to like pain and you know emotional emotional pain and trauma and all that stuff as a baseline 
right? right? And, and to, and that, and that, I think that that's, that because the, the tendency to go and like berate ourselves, like you were describing or to judge others, um, that that's pretty common, I think. And, mm -hmm. and I think, in, you know, and especially when we start getting into whiteness and the charge of race and, you know, I think this is where like the, the idea of white fragility comes in because we, we don't necessarily have, we have such a story in our culture that like everything is individualized. Either you're good at this stuff or you're not like you have the skills right. or you don't. And like, and if you can't do it, that's a you problem. When I right. actually think this is really an us problem. We problem for sure. And it's a we <clears throat> problem We're we are, we are like, of course we can't feel like, you know, that's, that's like the baseline. Like, of course we can't, it's not like, it's not like skills. I mean, some, some folks have, and those who have had the, the good fortune of being raised in a family where emotional, like there was emotional intelligence and there was people where people's needs were met and you were like taught that you had needs and that they were good and had to draw boundaries and all of those skills. That's great. And I love it. And, and I, I know people like that. And there's a part of me that's just like, longs for that kind of childhood that's not what i got and so i have my own experience what you're describing and i think it needs to be normalized but that the th one of the things we share regardless is regardless of our upbringing is that collective trauma piece around our whiteness and we don't talk about that and we don't bring that in and so you know and then the, the question of like how how does a population of people oppress another population of people Right. And still be embodied. Like, I don't think you can do it. Like, right. you know, it's like you need to, you need to dissociate. You need to get out of the body. You need to. So when we add these things together, it becomes like, well, of course we can't do this. Of course we're not very good at it, you know? And so like normalizing that and just being like, it's, it's not, doesn't make you bad. It doesn't make us right. bad. You know, it's that whole idea of it's not your fault but it is your responsibility. So it's like when we, when we come into tune with this, it's like, Oh, that's true. Now I need to do the work. I need to, I need to do go to the, whatever version of the gym is that allows me to build this capacity. Mm -hmm. And this is when I think about building capacity, it's what I always talk about in, you know, in my groups and with the men that I work with is to me, the biggest thing about building capacity is, to build our capacity to, to experience the shame that will emerge when we are engaging with this material, because yeah. it will, there's a 0% chance of it not it, for, for different people will come at different times. But if you're engaging in anti-racist material and you're in a white body, you're going to experience shame in one way or another. Yeah. Can you develop the capacity to experience the shame, stay present stay in relationship, not turn away and also hold on to it enough to not dump it on, you know, whoever is, whoever like gave you feedback or said something that elicited the shame and then process it later with people, with others, you know, like this is in, and and in, I don't know, in my experience, my own personal life experience, let it also in the experience of just working with others, shame is one of the hardest things to work with, right? It's like, it is one of the drivers of, you know, of uh, unhealthy behavior and unhealthy culture. And like, it just, it's such, because it's such, such a heavy material 
It's so hard to work with. And it's probably the key to us being able to actually build the kinds of relationships we need to build in order to have that, that, that seventh generation you were talking about, like what, you know, how can we do something differently? Yeah. So much there, Greg, I want to slow down and say those things again. It's like, what'd you say? Be with our shame, stay in relationship. I feel like there was four things. Also not dump it on people of the global majority Mm -hmm. around us. And was there a, was there something else? Well, stay, stay present, right? Stay so it's present. Like, be, be feeling it, not dissociating from it, not disconnecting from it, not pushing it aside. So actually right. feeling it, being here in the, in the moment and in relationships, that's probably like two like and Stay three, relating. Like right. Yeah. We're, we're here together. Not going to turn away, which is, which is what we hear a lot, right? It's like, you know, the person leaves they disconnect and they're out of the conversation. They're just not present, you know, they're, um, you know, and, and I've heard this from Aaron talk about this with working with, with white folks. It's like, they, he sees the moment it happens and the, they're just gone, even though they're in the room, <laughs> right? they're not there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And so it makes me want to kind of be with being with shame, you know, what it feels like, you know, that, that heavy experience. I think we're so conditioned to not feel it, you know, there might be some people out there going like, well, I don't know, what does it feel like? Um, for myself, I think of two ways shame can activate me. One is like utter collapse, right? Which is like, oh my God. And like, it's disassociated, but, but maybe not quite. I mean, there's a way in which I'm feeling deeply and it's just like so upsetting. All I do is just go into like a puddle of like grief and despair and like, uh, that kind of thing mm-hmm. is one way I feel shame. And it just, in my body, I feel tiny and small and um, contracted. And like, I mean, literally the feeling of collapse is happening inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I would say my, and for me, it can also show up as just confusion and blankness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes shame for me will come, as like judgment, like I was talking about that, like it can come as anger and Mm. let me, if I start trying to make myself feel better than, Mm. you know, and I, that can happen for us white folks doing this work. I'm more woke than you, you know? And so I can go into a a place like that where I don't want to feel my shame, get busy educating. And I think another place I feel shame buried and it would be an indicator for me is like, the part of me that wants to go do things. Well, what do we do? It's like, well, let's slow it down. Like shame is at work there. So to slow down and be, let's just back up and, and be with the feeling or what's motivating me to say that. I remember Portia bead always saying that like, what's your motivation? What's your motivation? What's mm-hmm. behind that? What's under that? What would you say about like shame and how it feels in you and how you recognize it? And man. Yeah. So I've always really resonated with, and I know that there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, criticism these days of her work, which I think is justified, but Brene's Brene Brown's um, definition of, of shame as, Mm. you know, guilt is guilt, guilt is something like, Oh, that was, that was 
that was bad. That was silly. I shouldn't have done that. Like, you know, I did a thing and eh, that was, that didn't turn out very well. And oh, I feel a little guilty about that. I feel guilty that I didn't call somebody or that I feel guilty about the way that conversation ended it. I wish I had done it differently. That sort of thing. Whereas shame is I am bad. Right. I did it wrong because where do you feel bad. that in you? How does that feel? Oh. In you? <laughs> totally. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. It is. It it, it it it's. Uh. Yeah. I mean, because you know, Shannon, that the the like this, like we're edging right up against like the my core material, right? Which is like shame lives at the center of, and and mm-hmm. so I've you know this has been a a thing that you know I've worked with a lot. I still work with on a regular basis. It yeah. it shows up in me. In so many ways, I mean, like from a physical standpoint, there's this nausea that emerges, like literal nausea. I can mm. feel my entire body want to collapse in on itself, the emotional collapse internally. It's very easy for me to, uh, if I'm not careful, to to just like collapse and disappear, both both, both emotionally and, and like, you know, in my presence, but also just literally, like physically, mm-hmm. like go away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it can, it can also cause a lash out for sure. It can cause a, you know, a, uh, a desire to like a, one way of protecting myself from it is to, is to destroy whatever relationship I happen to be around. Right. And, the, and this isn't even talking about the, the charge of race, right? Like yeah, that, that doesn't, so that's like, that is in a lot of ways the baseline and, and yeah. And so, you know, the, I think this is one of the, I think if if there's any kind of gift I've been given in my exploration of shame as a driver in my life, it's that like it made it very easy to see, oh, mm-hmm. this is how it creeps into my life when I'm dealing with a charge of race. Like this is how it's here and how it's present and what it's doing because of the, 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 yeah, like there's a way in which it's, I'm like, oh, I'm super familiar with this because it lives in my day to day, you know? Um mm-hmm. And yeah. And I think, I mean, I, I think like when we see, when we see the, you know, what, you know, are often referred to in the world as Karens, like there's this, I saw this like clip of, um, on Instagram that this is a while back. Like, I don't know if I could find it. I'm not even sure I'm interested in finding it to put it in the links. It's like, it's like a, it's like a, a clip of stream of like multiple videos of like white women being confronted by something in, you know, it's usually a black woman mm-hmm. uh, and then melting down, like literally melting down in like the yeah. middle of a department store and having like, what looks like I a saw three that one. year old temper nuts. tantrum, you know, like multiple I've seen like, and it was just like multiple one, like one after the other, after the other of this, like five minutes of this watching these white women. And then like, and I, I look at that and, and what I see is I see people who don't have any capacity for, for navigating their shame. Like mm-hmm. they're being confronted by something and maybe the way it's being conf- is handled, maybe it could be more skillful. I don't know. I don't think that's the black woman's responsibility. Quite honestly, no. that's, that's my take. And that it is as white bodied folks, our responsibility to go, okay, how do I navigate this? How do I need to learn how to navigate this? You, when you talked about, you know, the, the, what can we do? Or even the, like, I don't think you use the word righteousness, but like, the righteousness that can come up in like, I'm more woke than you. 
that yeah. sort of culture. I totally think it's related. I think that there's a way in which it's there's there's some communities here in the Seattle area that are part of anti-racist work that I've encountered. And I'm like, this doesn't feel fully healthy because it's like there's this element of like you're you're doing it wrong. You know, like if you're not right. doing it like this, you're doing it wrong. And I'm like, I I'm not sure that I can buy this. I feel like there's a way in which we're actually not tracking the the fullness of what we're experiencing. And that's not, I don't know. I don't feel like it's fully healthy. Uh, it's the relating piece is what I'm thinking about now, you know, and like creating a culture of relating and where Resma Menachem says, you know, white folks get together and learn how to build culture and disrupt culture yeah. together. I think that and relating, you know, how can we be in shame and in the feelings of that and still be connected to ourselves and to each other and offer each other support and love and kindness, you know, so that our nervous system can like, Oh, that's okay. I can, I can feel all this and uh, you know, I'll be okay. Uh, maybe not definitely not comfortable, but you can, you know, you can now tolerate all of that disturbance in your being and not, you know, melt down and, cause harm in all sorts of ways. You know, as you were talking, I also started thinking about shame, you know, how we get invited back often, you know, into our childhoods, which is, mm -hmm. I'd, I'd feel into that. I'm going to spend some time journaling about how was shame, how was I shamed growing up, you mm -hmm. know, and for what and where, you know, cause I think, you know, shame on you is something that we're all too familiar with. Oh, yeah. Um, and so in terms of building capacity and understanding my emotional defenses, my emotional triggers, and then my defenses around that would, I'm going to spend some time. I don't think I've done it that explicitly of like where and how was I shamed, um, in my childhood, not just from parents, but even in school, like school is a big one, you know, um, mm -hmm too. And just, yeah, I think there'll be good connections to be made in, in that for myself and understanding, understanding that more. And then I just feeling really connected to the relating piece, you know, why you and I want to do workshops and not just, I don't even like the word workshops. I don't want to, you know, <laughs> let's not do those. You know, it's like, let's do micro relate, relate, relate shops, relation shops. <laughs> well, Kind of. I mean, that's if what's what we're trying to do, you know, it's like, yeah. I don't want to be, it's not retreats. It's like, let's be, let's relate. I mean, what if maybe that's our retreat in the fall, Greg is like, what does it mean to relate? Mm. Yeah. What does yeah, it mean to relate when things get complicated and messy? Mm. Mm -hmm. Um mm. And a little taste, a little taste, you know, yeah. um, knowing how well, hard is that the, is. This actually. is the, I mean, so there's so many things here. Just, we keep coming to those things that I'm like, oh, there's all these little rabbit holes to go down. Um, one of which is the in a relationship and holding this, holding this is like, a, holding this is all about being about relationship. And so one of the things white supremacy culture does is it pushes everything back on the individual and says, this is about you, this right. is about us. And so when we do feel shame, which, you know, we're like, when we do feel the, 
the weight of the culture, which is something that's beyond any of us as individuals. We have no say in it. We were just raised up in it and, you know, it just keeps perpetuating. And, and then we get confronted by something. Somebody gives us some feedback or they make us realize this is the, you know, the whole thing about like in Florida where they're banning um, basically American history education by saying you can't, you know, the, the way it's actually framed is like, if you can't teach anything that's going to make white kids feel bad. Or oh, what's going on what in Tennessee saying. right now with. Well, well, that's the, yeah. I mean, I, I want to stay on the race yeah. thing. Cause there's, yeah. that's, that's a, that's a different thing, but well, you're not, it's not related. dissimilar, but, right. but, but this idea of like, you're making white kids feel bad. And so the idea of like coming back to the characteristics of white supremacy culture, this idea of right to comfort, right. We, we shouldn't right. have to feel bad. And it's like, well, nobody's saying like, this is like, Shannon, you're a bad person because um, let me tell you about the history of the United States and how this makes you a bad person. That's actually never the message. The message is we live within a system and in a culture that we need to change. And in order to change that, some things are going to have to happen that are going to impact us as individuals, but that's actually not about you as a person, but we, it gets pushed back on us. And so that I think, you know, and, and I, in 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 a lot of ways, what you were talking about around going back and reviewing the ways you were shamed as a child, the ways you were shamed in your education that as you were being, as you were coming up in the world, and my guess is going to be in your early career, <laughs> like in your, like yep. all kinds of places, maybe in relationships, you know, like, I mean, all these places that, it, that it exists, that gets leveraged, by the right. system, the system utilizes that. And, you know, and so, but the, one of the things I want to be really clear about here is because I think, I think shame, and I feel like we've talked about this a little bit before, and this is one of the things that maybe this is one of those parts of that gift of my own experience of working, working on my shame over the years is like in this work, there are places where shame is used as a weapon. And I think that's what we're afraid of. Like people are afraid of going into white bodied folks are afraid white bodied men. I hear this a lot. If I go into that place and I say something, I'm going to get put on blast. I'm going to get canceled. I'm going to get shamed all those things. And it, and it exists. It happens. We've all seen it happen. White bodied folks, shaming white bodied folks, people of color, shaming white bodied folks. Shame can be used as a weapon. It gets done that way. Absolutely. That's different. That's different then the reality of you will experience shame in this work, mm-hmm. right? So like, can we create spaces where the shame will emerge? It's held. You get the opportunity to see like, Oh, I'm not bad. This isn't about just about me. I can make changes. I can actually learn things, but it's not because I'm a bad person that this is happening. So I can actually be with this more so I can actually be in relationship more get the right. feedback, go to mic people, help them see the feedback. You know, it's like, those are two different things. And I think they get conflated a lot. And people think when we talk about shame, that what we're talking about is like, we need to shame people into being anti-racist, you know, being it, it, like working in anti-racism stuff or like actually engaging with this material. And that's not the message. Definitely not the message. I'm so glad you brought that in. Um, yeah. And, and building our capacity then when we do get shamed, cause that will happen. 
um, that we have right. a way to be in that and recognize, you know, what's happening and mm-hmm. be able to stay grounded and, you know, relate to that. And I'm also not advocating, we're not advocating for people being in dangerous relationships um, of whatever we define as dangerous. There can be life-threatening in this case, in the charge of race. And there can also just be, mm-hmm. you know, people who it's like you need to separate from and their anger, you know? Um, so I'm not saying you have to relate to everyone who's shaming you in a way that's like all kind and nice either. Um, but right. at yeah. least kind, you know, can we, can we stay grounded enough to just, you know, not collapse, not lash out, you know, and make a grounded choice about relating to ourselves and others mm-hmm. in that, in that moment as you know, as best we can, not perfectly, yeah. but just differently. I think we're going for different. You know, it feels kind of like a nice place to wrap up in a way or head towards. There's so many things here. I just think, you know, the leaving people with the question of like, what happens for me when I experience shame, regardless of where, what kind of shame it is. Like if it's, you know, what's, what's, I guess the, what's the baseline for me when I experience shame, because when, you know, when, and if the charge of race comes into it, like anticipating it being a higher level and for sure. Yep. And normalizing it, recognizing like it's, this is actually part of the process and, and part of what we need to be working on some of the muscles we need to be building. For sure. And I also feel like doing the reading and the education, you know, when the charge of race comes in, at least you have more context you know, for what's happening, like you can realize this not as an individual thing, but as a cultural historical legacy of white folks and whiteness. And so I I find for me, that helps me get some distance about, Oh, I have, I I don't know that I'm right, but I, at least it helps me gain that perspective in the ground and be like, all right, what am I I needing to be with here? I think it's super important to, to do the reading and to, listen to the podcasts and to, you know, check out the 1619 project to, you know, listen to seeing white to, you know, read Kendi and, you know, Luo and, uh, Resma and Resma Asad. Yep. I mean, like there's, there's all kind like the list of books is very long. I think all that stuff is super important. And then there's workshops, you know, there are things you can go do. I think all of that I would, I would say is, um, is critical work, you know, yeah. to do. And, and the, the conversations that we're having and the work that we're doing is like all about that, that stuff supports, I think, in all of us. And I think this supports integrating that. And so it becomes more than just an intellectual understanding. It's actually like a full bodied understanding. Yeah. I was just going to say, we've come full circle to being a full bodied, you yeah. know, building capacity has this whole other deeply embodied yeah component that requires us to be in relationship we can't this isn't a going like that's one of the fun that's one of the things i think the gym metaphor like wears out pretty quick because it's like the gym is like you go by yourself i mean yes you can have a buddy but like you're you're building your body's muscles right like this is actually a relationship driven practice of somatics because ultimately our nervous systems are actually in relationship with each other even if our bodies standing they're different you know we're standing separately from one another 
our relation nervous systems are actually in relationship with each other. So we need each other in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's, we don't really have spaces for that. I mean, I mean, there are, but they're not <laughs> mainstream. It's not something, even the so- yeah. socio emotional learning, you know, so it's, it's starting to eke in in little ways. Um, yeah. 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 Well, so let's keep building some spaces like that. Yes. Um, and we'd love to have you join us in spaces like that. You should stay tuned because we are going to be doing some follow-up stuff from the workshops we just did. We'll let you know when that stuff is ready. If you are at all interested in, you know, if you weren't able to make it to one of the workshops or something and you're interested in something more, just ping us. You can reach us at Shannon or Greg at connectionworks.com. Also feedback is great. Yep. You can always stay connected to connectionworks.com. Make sure you're on our, uh, mailing list so that you know when our programs are coming out and offer early bird registration and our retreat in the fall, which I don't know what that's going to be about, but whether it's explicitly about these types of topics, there's always an undercurrent that you and I are up to Greg and inviting people into about building our capacity. Yes, for sure. We'd love to be embodied. We'd love to be in proximity to other bodies. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. We need to be in, we need to be in each other's presence in some ways. So um, thanks again for listening. As always, if you have any feedback, please shoot it to us. And also if you would love to leave a review, we'd love that, you know, feel free to do that in your podcast app and um, yeah. Thanks a ton. Thanks Shannon. Yeah. Thanks Greg. Thanks everyone. All right. See you next time. Bye. Bye.